0: As we are taking our uh, road trip through all 66 uh, books of the Bible, all nine major sections of Scripture during 2012, we began uh, with some stories from the books of the law, and we'll return to that uh, in a few weeks. But about three weeks ago, we began to uh, take a look at some uh, passages from each one of the Gospels, and now we hit the fourth and the last Gospel uh, to be written. Uh, the Gospel of John. John was uh, a unique uh, disciple of Jesus, had a unique relationship with him, and experienced some amazing things, including the the vision late in his life, which uh, became the book of Revelation that we have, that ends ends our scripture. John wrote his gospel uh, primarily to uh, people outside of the nation of Israel, primarily to people out in the Gentile world, and. He wrote with a, with a kind of Greek and a kind of style that communicated to who they were. And he spends less time talking about the Old Testament prophecies than, say, Matthew would. Instead, he, he, he spends a, just a great deal of time on the teaching of Jesus. And in John chapter 13, we come to a scene in which John devotes a great deal of time. Just a, It was just a few hours, but John devotes a large section of his gospel to to what Jesus had to say on the night before His trial and crucifixion when He gathered disciples together. In John chapter 13, it talks about that. It says that before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that His hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. And He would loved His disciples during His ministry on earth, and now He loved them to the very end. I find that, that interesting there in, in verse one that he'd loved his disciples during their three years together walking through the, the, the countryside of Israel and in and out of Jerusalem and other towns and villages. But now as things were coming to the end, it says he really loved them. And it was time for supper. and it, it said, John said the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot to, uh, to betray Jesus, and Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he'd come from God and would return to God. You catch that? God had given him all authority and Jesus knew that. He had come from God, he would return to him. So he got up from the table and he took off his robe and he wrapped a linen towel, a very large one, probably twice as large as what I have here, around his waist and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying Them with the towel he had around him. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, You you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray Him. and That is what He meant when He said, Not all of you are clean. And then there's a, a little bit of a break that we need to notice in the passage. The setting is Jesus has begun to wash the disciples' feet which was a a common custom but was not common for Jesus to do this and then it says this after washing their feet he put on his robe again and sat down and asked do you understand what I was doing you call me teacher and Lord and you're right because that's what I am and since I your Lord and teacher have washed your feet You ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. And now that you know these things, God will bless you if you do them. I've come to a a conclusion in my life, and I don't think it's necessarily anything profound as far as my discovery. I think it's something that, that everyone discovers if we truly follow Jesus' example. And it's this, that something very dynamic, extremely powerful happens to us when we become a servant to other people. The greatest change... That I've seen in people's lives. And the greatest change that I've seen come about in my own life. Is is very often when I am serving other people. And Jesus knows that. And he knew that. And that's why he said to his disciples. I'm setting an example for you to follow. Do as I have done. When we serve, there's some things that happen to us. Some very important things. And I want to share a few of those with you this morning. When when we serve, first of all, we can just look right at this passage right here. Right at Jesus' words. And He very clearly says two things happen when we serve. Number one, we follow Him when we serve. When we serve, we are following Christ's example. We're following Christ. To, To take Jesus' name, to call yourself a Christian or a Christ follower, means that you will serve. And secondly, Jesus says very clearly, when you serve, you gain blessings from God. He he says that. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus didn't say that if you dress right, or if you act right, or talk right, you'll be blessed. He said instead, when you wash another's feet, and I want to get something real clear here. I've been a part of some, some services where, where we took the towel and the basin and the pitcher of water, and we actually did wash each other's feet. And I've been a part of of some of those that were, it was very impactful and meaningful and powerful. I've been a part of it. I'm going to confess a couple of times when I thought this is just weird and I'm not real, it just feels like we're forcing something here, and it's not, it, it's not having the impact it, it, it meant to have. And I think there's something in that, because Jesus didn't do that that night in order to establish a ritual that everybody needs to follow every time you get together. That's not a slam on churches that have taken that as a practice, but what I'm just saying, He didn't do this to establish another ritual. They already had tons of rituals. Instead, he was saying a very practical thing and doing a very practical thing. In their sandal wearing, dusty road culture, coming into a place and washing your feet was a practical need. Most of us came in here with shoes on this morning. And very few of us, if any of us, walked down a dirt road to church, uphill both ways. But in their culture, washing feet was a necessary thing. And to take the position of a servant to do that, it was an example Jesus was setting. He wasn't establishing a new ritual. He was saying this. This is the attitude. This is the heart. This is the lifestyle that you should take on if you're going to follow me. Because Jesus knows that that when we serve... When we serve, something happens to our heart that's meant to happen. We, when we serve, we start getting a heart for God. We start, we start gaining a sense of why God made us and what kind of relationship He wants with us when we serve. We start getting connected to His heart. That reaches out to all of us. And there's there's a dynamic that happens that's definitely related to that. When we grow a heart for God, we start opening up to other people. And the reality, the 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 observation that I've seen just even in a week ago in Guatemala, is that when we're serving, we get closer together. Some of you really struggle in relationships. Some of you are lonely and desperate. You, you've come in here this morning and you think, I don't really have a true friend in the world. I'll tell you what, if you get involved with some people serving and helping other people, you will develop friendship in that context. Because God works that way. He, meant, he is meant for us to serve. And, and there's just something powerful that happens where we're able to open up to others. This is what happens when we follow Jesus' example. I told you, I just saw it firsthand. We had 14 people from Houston, and the, the majority were part of this church, but we had two or three that, that were not, but they were friends of folks here in Houston that, that went. 21 from Cincinnati. Most of them attended Springdale Church in Nazarene, but there were about four people who did not. A couple of people didn't really attend church much anywhere, but they came because a friend invited them to go and serve. And the dynamics that happened as we as we dug ditches and hand-mixed concrete and poured concrete in the rain, as we raised the infrastructure for, for a church out in the middle of dusty nowhere in the, in the mountains of Guatemala, as medical teams went out four days in different places. And, and we had two doctors, a physician's assistant, about four nurses, and then several people that were there to translate or just uh, set up a little pharmacy. And they, and they worked among the people And the dynamics that happen as they treated, as they diagnosed, as they gave medicines, as they gathered around the the patients and prayed for them. The dynamics that happen in those kind of environments where you're you're giving of yourself, your, your heart starts getting tender towards God. Because God is a God of compassion and mercy and sees people's hurts and wants to heal them. And there's a dynamic that happens when you're When you're giving of yourself in that way, that that draws you together as brothers and sisters. I think if you'd ask anybody that went on, on that trip, they would tell you the same. And I think if you'd ask anybody who on a regular basis digs in and gets involved with a group of people and serves, you would see that they're growing closer to God and it's also changing their relationships with one another whether it's a group of teachers down the hall with our kids or celebrate recovery team on Wednesday nights or whatever it might be. When you, when you come together and serve in Jesus name, there's, it's going to connect you to God and to, and to other people in a way that we're all looking for. And, and the really good news is you don't have to have great qualifications to serve. You know, I, uh, I don't have I don't have a lot of good construction qualifications. Isn't that right, Lonnie? Lonnie tried to teach me to drywall down in the, in the Bahamas, and he gave when we were all done. I asked him for a grade, and I was getting kind of excited, and he gave me a C C+. Um, that was a few years ago. I doubt I'm any better, but uh, I don't know what kind of grade I'd get for mixing concrete. But uh, um, there's, I'm, not, I'm not that qualified, but when you come together and serve, somehow God takes that and blesses it and uses it in a unique way. Are you qualified to serve? The answer to that is yes. Every single one of you, you're qualified to serve. The, the, Jesus doesn't hand out a list of, of, of prerequisites in terms of education and experience. If you look at the disciples, He just said, follow me. And when they started following Him, He immediately put them to work. They didn't have all the right answers, all the right knowledge. I mean, several times they clearly had it wrong. And Jesus keeps sending them out. If you're waiting on some specific job description or role or or somebody to beg you to serve and and then give you absolutely every little thing you need to, to do it, you're waiting on the wrong things. Every one of you is qualified, right? You say, well, I need to really work on a few things in my life and, and work on a, I, need to, I need to read more Scripture and know more about God before I try to do anything. And I'm going to tell you, according to the, what I see in the Scripture, that's not the case. Now, there's certain things. You shouldn't get up here, try to do what I'm doing with no knowledge or preparation. There's certain other things. But, but in terms of just serving and helping people, There's not a lot of heavy qualifications for that. Jesus just said, follow me, watch what I do, imitate what I'm doing, and do it for one another. I'll help you in the time and place and situations to be who and what you need to be in that moment. The world's a little different than that. Some of you are probably looking for jobs right now. And you've filled out a resume. And you're trying to put just the right thing on that resume to say, I can do this job, or I can meet these qualifications. I was reading some interesting trivia the other day about uh, some stuff, history with our presidents and, and even first ladies. And, and I came across this interesting thing that Helen, Helen Heron Taft, the wife of our 27th president, William Howard Taft. Um, when she entered the White House as first lady, she felt like the, the occupants of the White House staff uh, before were, were too informal and they lacked dignity and one of her remedies for that was she decreed that no bald-headed waiter or server could uh, or butler could serve in the White House I read that and I was a little hurt I mean that was you know over a hundred years ago but it still just kind of hurt Knowing that I wouldn't, I would not have been qualified to, to even wait on tables in, in the White House, because uh, because of the challenge I have here. Um, another, another first lady, uh, Lou Henry Hoover, the wife of Herbert Hoover, our 31st president. She demanded that every butler, waiter, uh, you know, bellman that type of that type of position in the White House during their tenure be exactly five feet eight inches tall right right at five eight there's been very few jobs for which I've been too tall (laughs) but I would just be you know an inch or two over that and and so I was hurt I mean I'm bald and I'm taller than five eight no White House job for you I guess that doesn't apply anymore but this, those kind of qualifications, the world throws in all kinds of stuff. Jesus just says, follow me. Do what I do. Do it for one another. He just says, start serving others. And we'll see what happens to your heart. And the impact that will make. Back in the, um, the early part of the last century, right around 19, uh I think it was 1921, the, uh, the famous Sing Sing Prison in uh, New York got a new warden, a man by the name of Lewis Laws. And Lewis' wife's name was Catherine, and they had three young daughters. And they moved in uh, to the community close by Sing Sing Prison. And when they moved in there, uh, there were plenty of people that, uh, that warned Catherine Laws, don't ever step foot inside that prison. I mean, the men in there, it's just no environment for you to ever be in there. Whatever you do, don't take your, your children there. But she didn't listen to him. And soon after her husband became warden, there was, a, there was a basketball game at the prison, and she went with her, with her three young girls and sat in the front row, took a seat in the bleachers, and began to cheer for the inmates as they played. She later said, uh, my husband and I are going to take care of these men. And I believe they will take care of me. So I'm not worried. When she heard that uh, one of the men, a convicted murderer, was blind, she taught him Braille so he could learn to read. And when she learned that one of the inmates was hearing impaired, she went to classes to learn sign language so she could communicate with him. And for 16 years, um, Catherine Laws softened the hearts of those men in Sing Sing prison. And in uh, 1937, something happened that, that shows the difference that loving and serving can make. The prisoners there at Sing Sing knew something was wrong that morning when Lewis Laws didn't report to work and the the warden wasn't nowhere to be seen and the word quickly spread that his wife Catherine had been in a in an in a auto accident and she was killed and the following day her body was placed in uh, her home the practice in those days in many communities it was about three-quarters of a mile from Sing Sing prison and as the acting warden took his early morning walk he, he noticed a, a large gathering of, of inmates at the main gate and all of those prisoners had their their faces pressed against the fence and he noticed that most of them were crying sad solemn faces very little talking or moving and he discovered that they'd all come to stand as close as they could to the woman that had served and loved them for those many years And so the warden made a a remarkable decision. He said um, to all of those men, All right, I'm going to release you to go and pay your respects. You can all go. Just uh, make sure you check back in tonight. Now, these were all hardened criminals, felons, murderers, thieves down the line. They were, they were people that the state had said needed to be locked away for life for at least a long time. A danger to society. But the warden unlocked the gate and they walked without armed escort to the home of Catherine Laws and paid their respects and every single one of them returned that night without any incident when you serve when you love like that when you give of yourself it changes people it's, it's transforming because when when we serve and Jesus knows this and and he knew it that night when when we serve it helps us to remember what's major and forget about what's minor. Reminds me of the, of the, of the, the Scripture in Philippians where Paul, writing from prison for serving in the name of Christ, says, says to the Philippians, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out For your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. When when you serve following Christ's example with the kind of love that that He has for us, and the kind of love that He can put in us, when you serve that way, it builds up relationships. Whereas selfishness, self-centeredness, it erodes it tears down relationships and and that's why Paul urgently says do nothing don't do anything out of a selfish motivation or or empty conceit and again I want to say to us this doesn't the kind of serving we're talking about doesn't require a defined role or detailed job description It's just follow Jesus' example and put others before yourself. But this is the biggest challenge we have, isn't it, in our daily actions. And a lot of times in the context of serving, some of you are maybe sitting there waiting, okay, by the end of this message, Pastor Jeffrey's going to hand out a list of things that need to be done at the church and try to get us to sign up for that. I just want to put you at ease. That's not coming. And I want to say to you, to us, before we talk about starting to serve here and within this context, a lot of us just need to be challenged to do this at home. Husbands and wives, do you ever think about the idea of serving the other person? you ever think about putting their interest before yours? And that, that is a very biblical, Christ-like thing to do. In fact, it's what you're called to do. This kind of servant attitude needs to start at home. It needs to start here in the church. Within the body of Christ today. You know, Jesus said the biggest impact you're going to make on the world, the, the way that they're going to really recognize... That you know me is if you love one another. Now there's lots of books and lots of motivation right now for the church to get out of its walls and, and get out in the community and do stuff. And we talked about that this morning, and Pastor Matt and Garen that presented, you know some, some things that shouldn't be and some ways that we ought to get involved, And there's plenty to do here um, in, in our community. And there'll be more trips to Guatemala and other places like that as God allows for that. Lots of ways that you ought to get out and serve. But but the biggest impact, according to Jesus, that we're going to make on the world for Him is if they see that we love one another. Right in this same chapter, just a little bit later, that same night, Jesus said, John 13, 35, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples so I would challenge you to to let others see the way that you care for other Christians not say hey look at me but just make it so much a part of your life that they'll notice that you're caring for somebody in your life group you're caring for somebody else that that you've come in contact with through the fellowship of the church and and truly loving them serving them Jesus said that's the way the world's going to recognize. What do you think it does for our witness when the world sees that we don't care for one another? What do you think it says to the world when when they hear us speak harshly and unfavorably and derogatorily about other Christians? The biggest impact. The cure for selfishness, which is so destructive to us and to the people around us, is to allow Christ to enter into our lives in such a way that we get the focus off of ourselves and on Him and on others. Max Lucado, um, the writer and pastor, teacher, says that he has a good friend who's an Episcopalian minister and he said that he's observed so often uh, you know his Episcopalian friend uh, ending a prayer with the sign of the cross and he was kind of wondering about that and we've all seen people do that and maybe some of us grew up doing that with the backgrounds we have and for some of us maybe it's just man that's just a that's just a ritual it doesn't mean you know you know what what does that do for you And there's definitely no magic in it. But it's interesting to me what Max Licato's friend said to him about why he does it. He said, When I touch my forehead and my chest, it makes a capital I. And then the gesture of going from one shoulder to the other cuts that I in half. I thought that was kind of insightful a metaphor for how we need to think cutting the eye in half remembering that Jesus has called us to put the interests of others before our own you see when we when we serve we we lose selfish obsession and we become the true church when we're serving the first uh, trip that that I made as a part of our partnership to to work in the mission field of Guatemala and especially to try to establish the the Mount Zion Clinic Hospital in in Guatemala City was was November of 2010 and uh, about a week before we got there in November of 2010 a gentleman by the name of Don from from Alabama had gone down to Guatemala. He had heard about the project, and he's a very skilled plumber. that had been his profession for, for many years. And he'd heard about the project there at the hospital and that they were going to need a complete new plumbing system and and all of that, and he decided that it would be a good thing for him to be a part of this. You see, he was recently divorced and really struggling with just where he was in life and and kind of what things were all about and he heard about this opportunity and he went down to Guatemala and he's he's been there ever since with the with a exception of coming back just enough to as far as visa requirements go and when i met don the plumber in november of 2010 he was an interesting character but um uh, the, the, what I what I gathered there the, those in those first couple of weeks that he was there was that he was there in some ways to kind of run away from from what he'd been experiencing. He was hurt, wounded from divorce. Kind of felt lost. He made a few comments here and there about maybe looking for a new wife and those sorts of things, and and there was just. He was there and he and he he knew he knew his job and 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 was definitely skilled in the in the plumbing and the things that began to happen in that way, but but I, I just wondered if he would really be able to last there. Almost a year and a half later, last week, being with Don the plumber. It's amazing to see the passion and the love and the change in his life he's, he's down there working for no pay I mean he, yeah, he gets fed and he has a place to stay where on the the seminary campus or wherever they go out to work they make sure he has a place to stay but but he was with us for that week and the change and his countenance and conversation, his willingness to, yeah, he's a highly skilled plumber, but he's right in there mixing concrete, doing any kind of job, to see him with children when we went out in the small towns, and when we went to the orphanage on Friday afternoon. The, the way his eyes lit up with those kids, and no, nothing seemed too trivial to to do with him and my friend Rick and I the the pastor from Ohio that we've partnered with we were talking about it and he said to me he said Jeffrey you know when I think about the church of the Nazarene and what really makes it great it's somebody like Don who's working for no pay in a country that's not his own And growing in Christ because of it. And seeing that make the difference in his life. You see, when we serve, that's just where the greatest change takes place in us. I'm convinced of that. When we get out of our way and quit focusing on us and give ourselves away, that's when we start to get it. In the, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke talks about uh, the same night that John talks about in John chapter 13. Luke talks about it in Luke chapter 22. And, and Luke says that, that this happened on that same night. It, he said that they began to argue among themselves. This is the disciples. They began to argue among themselves who would be the greatest among them. And Jesus hears them, and He says, In this world, the kings and great men of lord, uh, men lord it over their people. They take their authority and they lord it over them. Yet they are called friends of the people. And then Jesus said, But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course. But not here, Jesus said. Not here. And catch this. He said this, for I am among you as the one who serves. I'm not doing a good job of communicating this this morning. I I wish I could. You catch that? Jesus says, in the world, it's this way. We know who's important in the world. But Jesus says, not here. Importance is different here. And he said, I am among you as the one who serves And what if we were to take that and say, I want to be known among my people, among my family, among my friends? I want to be known among them as all that. That's the one who serves. What if, as the body of Christ, as the church, We were to take that collectively and be known. Oh, those are the people that serve. Those are the people that will wash the feet. Those are the people that will look not just at their own interest, but look out for us, not not for men's praise, but because they're following the example of Jesus Christ. When we when we are the true church, we'll be known as the ones who serve. Lord, we thank you for uh, the challenge that uh, you have given us, and it, it's it's uh, it's heavy on us today, Lord. I sense that because we all have concerns and problems and things, desires, things we want to see happen, things we want to do, and. The way we want things to go and to lay that aside and put the concerns of others first and following your example in doing so and not asking for men's praise or applause or titles or any of that, it's, it's not easy. The world's not wired that way. And there's something so often within us that cries out for our own way and selfishness. But, Lord, I just pray today that one by one you would begin to awaken us to the great change for the good and for closeness to you and to others that will come as we open up to following your example and serving one another. I pray that it would begin today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to prepare to give our tithes and offerings part of our worship to the Lord uh, and we're going to do we uh, going to teach you a song uh, while this is happening and the title of the song is The Church but um, you, don't see the, you don't see the word church anywhere in the lyrics instead it's descriptive of who we ought to be um, in this world let's continue to worship and think about that this morning